Digital Free Thought Radio Hour. Digital Free Thought Radio Hour on WOZO Radio 103.9 LPFM right here in Knoxville, Tennessee. Today is Sunday, November 1st, 2020. I'm Larry Rhodes, or Doubter 5, and as usual, we have our co-host, Wombat, on the phone with us today. Hello, Wombat. God bless the USA. <laughs> All right. Not exactly what I would expect to hear on an ATU show, but cool. And our guest today are doubtfire how are you hello hello i guess i should say is doubtfire right but it's not quantity it's quality that's absolutely <laughs> digital free thought radio hour is a talk radio show about atheism free thought rational thought humanism and the sciences and conversely we'll also talk about religion religious faiths gods holy books and superstitions and if you get the feeling you're the only non-believer in Knoxville, well, you're just not. There are several atheist rethinking and rationalist groups that exist right here in Knoxville, and we'll be telling you how you can connect with them right after the mid-show break. Also, did you know that there's a streaming atheist call-in video show broadcasting here in Knoxville and has been for over 10 years? Did yeah. you know that one, back? You keep asking me, and you never tell me anything about it, but I did. I did finally look it up, and I was really happy. All the way until you season eight. All the way until season eight. Because then it's like, season man, you're, you're focusing less on the dragons than two dragons, dragons die. And then it's like the Night King comes out of nowhere and Arya Stark kills the Night no, King in like no, one no, scene. No. I'm like, this makes no sense. Game uh, of Thrones, uh, a little. I, I can't rewatch it if I know the last season so bad. I tried. I, I, I'll give it like a seven out of ten. Well, cool. But I hope you find our actual show and give it ten out of ten. But we'll tell you how you can right after the mid-show break. Um, what do you have for us today, Wombat? Uh, what if you're right one or wrong? The, <laughs> yeah, it's, you know, one of the things I, I always tr- stress never to say in an SE conversation is, what if you're wrong? <laughs> Only because it's such a minefield for someone to consider being wrong in a conversation, you trigger every ego and defensive response. Mm-hmm. Plus, you people know. don't like to hear someone be skeptical of them and then hear the word wrong. And so I always like to stress on like, well, how do we know if you're right? But it is an important question to know. How do you know you're wrong? Because that do you is know how many times I've been asked that question in my ask an atheist booth. No, really ask an atheist table. It's like, no, the first I thing to sit down. What if you're wrong? 
Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I didn't. I'm not speaking for other people. I'm talking for people who are actually trying to have good conversations with people, not go. people trained who never have <laughs> conversations with atheists in the first place. Uh, I know, right? But still, I would say it is an important thing to know if you're wrong, because just because you we are atheists doesn't mean that we're right about everything. And so I thought it would be my it might be mighty good for us to just go over times when we were confident about something. Maybe it's religious. Maybe it's not religious. And we have the opportunity to think. Why did I believe that? Should I keep believing that? Actually, I have a better reason to not believe it. I'm not going to believe that anymore. And that is a cool thing. Um, before we begin, I'd like to go around and just see how everyone's doing. Because I always like to do that. Larry, how you doing? <laughs> What's going on with you? I'm doing well for an old guy. Um, <laughs> staying in, staying safe. Playing cool. a lot of computer games. But yeah, nice, doing fine. Nice. Nice, nice, nice. Uh, Scott Doubtfire, how you been? It's been uh, it's been a whole week, man. Yeah, been a whole week, man. Uh, yeah, it's been going pretty good. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, been doing really good, man. Can't complain, dude. Cool. I saw you have this really lengthy conversation about scrupulosity or SE on the YouTube channel. Like, what was going on there? Yeah, so somebody was asking. I think it was I'm not sure who it was actually, but me um, DNA, I think. Yeah, me DNA and uh, yeah. If I can remember the conversation, of course, it, I just got up, so I'm trying to recall. <laughs> <laughs> I got the spider webs in my head. So. It's okay. Uh, so looking back at it, looking back at it, it's like me DNA asked us, "Hey, I hope you become a Muslim." And um, right. Dada's trading room is just, and myself are like, "Hey, I'm open to it as long as Allah has a good reason to convince me." And I have family members that are Muslim too. So it's like, okay, well, you know, it's up to them. He has, he has a direct road of communication to, to convince me of it. And so it's, it's rare to have a person tell us to be religious on our YouTube channels, but mm -hmm. you took them up and asked them like, well, what reasons do you need to be uh, a Muslim? And I, w I would like to know your idea of like, um, what was your thought process in going through that conversation? Maybe we can tackle it in the second half of the show. Oh, yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah. So it was, um, what good reasons does an unbeliever have to be a Muslim? And I, and I yeah. ask this question to Christians, too. Very, very cool. Man, I totally want to get into that. We're definitely going mm -hmm. into that. Eric, Dr. Green, it's good to see you. Hey, hey. Hey, I love that cover <laughs> of that, oh, nice. that you've put on. We're going to play it in the half of this show. I think it's cool that you still find a way to communicate with friends and make music together, even though you're far apart. How important is that for you? Man, it's super important. And, and I'm trying to do more of it because uh, I'm going stir crazy. I don't know about yeah. you guys. <laughs> I am too. I can tell you my thing that I've done is I um, got a pair of rollerblades. I think that's like a fun thing that I can do by myself and uh, develop a new skill. There's no ice rinks around here. There is one in Kentucky that I lived right next to, but here, uh, and where I'm at in Tennessee, there there aren't any aside from Nashville, and I'm learning how to skate. It's real fun. The fun thing is, I have really big feet. I have size 15 feet. They don't make rollerblades my size. Wow! Uh, what's that? <laughs> that's response. I get all the time. Foot, my feet are large at 12. <laughs> <laughs> so I found a pair of 13 roller skates that have like a breathable fabric top. That even on Amazon reviews, people are like, I'm a size 14 and these fit perfectly because it stretched the fabric stretches and it's already naturally a large fit because it's a roller blade to make them usually bigger than normal. And so I got those 13s, I put them on and it fit like a glove. And so like I am out, I'm in, I can get down to like the, I can get down across the block, 
just did some um like a nice little hour stroll on the skates today i feel good it makes me or feel roll. like a kid again <laughs> yeah and i can keep myself distant away from people and if anyone gets too close i have the speed to get away it's like hey back up back up listen to, listen to david Very cross's cool. bit about gabriel who wants to go rollerblading uh the day after 9 11 it's really, oh. <laughs> it's really <laughs> okay i'm totally going to it so yeah topic of the show today is what if you're wrong what were times when we thought we were right as atheists that we realized that we're wrong because just because you're an atheist doesn't mean you're right about everything and i thought probably the first thing that i'd like to go into for me is probably a subject that we talked on last week where we were discussing morality um scott Doubtfire brought up the idea of like hey um what does it mean to be moral and we were talking about like well i have the impression that it's a system it's not just a list of commandments that you're being obedient to and larry even said morality is not obedience i didn't always used to think that even when i was in college i used to think to be moral is very very obvious and clear because you just have to follow what the bible tells you and there's a nice 10 set of rules there they're numbered and it's easy to go and as long as you do that you're a moral person because you get your morals from the bible and that's what it means to be moral. Sure. And I was very, very confident that that was true all the way, literally all the way up into like my second year gra- uh, undergraduate. And it wasn't until I went into class and we had an ethics course and it was just an issue of like, how do you know what actions you should take and how your actions have consequences on other people? How do you know which actions are the best to do? And I realized that just following the Ten Commandments wasn't enough to answer the, the questions that he was giving me. And I had to think about like, oh, well, in this specific example, maybe I shouldn't kick a grandma. <laughs> or, or maybe I should be able to be able to take this bread to feed my family. Like, and like, maybe these are wrong. And, and, and in the process of thinking, I realized, ah, it's not just a list of rules. It's a process of thinking that, that determines whether or not you're making a moral choice or not. Right. Doubt Five, what do you think about um, morality is not obedience? Did you have any inclination of that? You, you, I don't know if you were over... I don't know if you were ever Christian, I, I, but like, did you think in the same way of like, hey, as long as I have these well, rules, sure. I'm moral? Of course, I, I, that was back when I was very young. Mm. But I mean, I, I didn't uh, discover that uh, there were no gods until I was in college, which was about, it was after I was in the Navy. So mm. I didn't start college until I was 22, 23. But um, of course, I equated morality in like early teens uh, with the Bible or with the Ten Commandments, but you, you got to think that there are a lot of things nowadays, <clears throat> new th- new subjects that come up that aren't covered, like right. stem, stem cell research, you know. And the religious have come down hard on that, especially even the Pope said we shouldn't go there, we shouldn't study the origins of the universe uh, because uh, you know that's the domain of God. There are a lot of things that aren't covered by the Bible, but the religious folks seem to think that uh, it is in, you know, uh, in a slanted way, in a sideways way, it's covered. Like abortion is not covered in the Bible, but thou shalt not kill is covered in the Bible. So it, they they jump on that and say that, that covers abortion. But that's not really. So how did you figure it out? How did you realize that the Bible wasn't enough? How did you make that recognition? Well, just reading a lot, uh, talking to a lot of different people, right? I realized that uh, obedience is not um, not morality. Uh, mm-hmm. Morality is learning to know or learning to do the right thing in a certain situation. Uh, doing one thing in one situation does not mean it's moral in another situation. Mm-hmm. Like um, 
a murder, of course, is, is bad. But if you're in yeah. a war and you're defending your home or if somebody is breaking into your home and, and threatening your family, that, of course, is not murder, but it's still killing somebody. Sure. And uh, sometimes it's necessary, not only moral, but necessary. And other times it's deeply immoral. Hmm. So it's conditional. It depends on the situation. Yeah, sometimes it could even be immoral to let someone keep living, even if they want to die, like in a situation right. like right. that. Good point. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Boudreaux, Forcing like to someone about- to. Yeah, yeah, against their consent. Boudreaux, I'd like to throw the question out at you. Um, just just the quick, uh, do you think morality is, did you ever have a time where you thought morality was like a list of rules? And then um, if you'd like to follow up on, I'd like to get Doubtfire's idea on like the same question, but as a follow-up, do you have a time in your life where you knew you were wrong and how did you come about realizing that and, and rectifying that? But hmm. On, on morality being obedience, what's your idea on that? Yeah, so I guess when I was young, uh, I was spoon-fed, you know, the Bible, or, mm-hmm. you know, it was go to church, and you heard, you know, basically, what, is, is it deontological morality, right, where you're, it yes. basically, it's a list of rules. Yep. And um, so, yeah, I think I was just assumed that was, that was the case. Um, I really never put it to, to thought or articulated it to myself until I started uh, reading more and, and listening to philosophers talk about uh, consequentialism versus you know this this book of rules. Um, so yeah, I, I never took a philosophy class in college, which is kind of a regret of mine. Um, I would have enjoyed it, I think. But yeah, now, I think you would have absolutely. Yeah, if you but, had a good but, teacher yeah. too. Yeah, absolutely. But, but so yeah, I, I, I guess I, I just I don't know, kind of fell away over time. And you, you, the examples you bring up make perfect sense. I mean, they didn't know about abortion you know, 4,000 years ago. So, yeah. I mean, why would, you know, why would that be written in? Um, and had they known about abortion, it might've been in one of the commandments or, yeah. you know, if a baby's born of the horrible disease and they're going to live, you know, three weeks in pain and agony, maybe it's okay and justifiable to end oh. its, I, I, you know, it's, it gets, it gets great. No, no you, I, there's definitely validity there. Like you never want to go into it with such a rigid framework of what's yeah. right and wrong that you can't, that you're beginning yeah. to like hurt people through your lack of flexibility. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say this. They also didn't know about germs when they wrote the Bible. Right. Even Charles Darwin didn't know about germs. So like right. you can see that in the whole, like, Hey, don't eat pork. You will die. It's like, if you cook it, it's okay. Actually. It's yeah. like, no, no, no. It's right. really bad. Bacon's bad. It's like, bacon's <laughs> bad. I don't believe you. This is America. Excuse me. Scar. <laughs> yeah. Let me think, or, go, think about your other question while, while that fire goes though. You're, yeah. If I know Scott well, you're going to have plenty of time to think. I'm just playing with you, man. I'm just playing with you. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's a rub on both of us because we're both long talkers. But Doubtfire, right. uh, floor is yours. Like, what do you think about morality and obedience? How did you come about learning that it wasn't the same thing? And like, what's your personal story there? Like, how that happened for you? Kind of the same way that, our, you know, this, I, I guess it's the same thing. Like, I thought that um, God was the foundation of morality and his word was the revelation of God. So, you know, um, the only way I could know if something was moral or immoral or ethical was if you believe in God, because otherwise there's no grounding for morality. There's no, if there's no absolute um, immutable um, thing, then there's nothing to reference it to. And so then, you know, 
I just kind of went along with everything I knew about the Bible, like how he commanded infanticide and um, condoned slavery and a lot of other questionable things. But then, you know, once once I started losing the fear and losing the um, the belief in the whole thing, then all that stuff kind of fell away naturally. And oh, then, you know. And then I kind of realized, you know, we make our more, you know, people make morality. That's why morality is different in different cultures. So it's kind of subjective um, and relative to cultures and everything like that. And I used to hate that, hmm. that idea of cultural, of a moral relativism and, and subjectivity. Cause I felt like if it's just a matter of opinion, then everybody's just going to go and do whatever they want to do. But I realize it's not about that at all. That's just a, a big lie. Hmm. So I want to talk about two things because you brought up two really amazing points. One is, man, I really want to get into cultural relativism with you. <laughs> but mm -hmm. the carrot and stick idea of like, once I lost my fear, that's when clarity began to come with morality. And it's like, there's such a, there's such a carrot and a stick mentality when you're in a faith where it's like, you'll get this carrot, but if you don't want this carrot, you'll get the stick. So what do you want? It's like, obviously I'll take the carrot. But when you realize the stick isn't even there, <laughs> you're like, I don't like carrots. I don't want this <laughs> carrot anymore. Could you talk about like how you came over your fears? I imagine that was a very long process. It's not something you can just snap your fingers, but like, Oh yeah. Um, well, being aware, being self-aware, like um, the scrupulosity, like we talked about last yes. week. And yeah. when I finally started dealing with that, that's when it mm -hmm. kind of triggered me like, wait a minute, I'm kind of um, acting unhealthy mentally. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, and then I was able to kind of open the door to other suggestions. Like I had an atheist guy that I worked with way back when I was working at the state police. And he was um, he was an atheist and he was like a card carrying atheist. So we and him would go at it like for years. And then finally <laughs> I opened, I opened my mind. I was like, wait a minute, you know, and, he, and I was like, talk to me, man. I'm, I'm all ears now. I'm I've nice. like, my defenses and he's kind of explained things. So it made sense to me. And um, after that, I was a hardcore atheist. Look at that. And then it's and I changed to let people too. know. Yeah. Yeah. If you are an atheist, that's, that's a, that's a perfect story of why you should be, you know, open about it because you have friends that just need someone to reach out to. Because if you didn't have that friend to reach out to, you'd probably still be in the truth even today, possibly even. Yeah. One last point before we get to Eric's, because I want to know Eric's how he's wrong, but like, uh, just kidding. Eric, Eric's never wrong, but I'm wondering like, uh, doubt or doubtfire, um, the idea of cultural relativism as the, I've, I've heard that argument myself. I have been in the same shoes where it's like, either God's right and there's this one firm right and wrong thing or it's all just anyone's opinions and who's to say who, who when you can murder and when you can't murder because there's no authority to tell me anything and it took me a while to realize that I didn't need an authority for me to still have an objective basis for knowing what's right and wrong and just because there's no God in my in my moral outlook doesn't mean that I have uh, objective principles, or at least a, a very firm understanding of like, hey, my actions have consequences on people. I'm going to do good things so good things can happen and avoid bad things so bad things don't happen. And we all mutually benefit from that. Um, could you talk about your process for understanding like, hey, cultural relativism isn't just the only option if I don't have my God belief? Who's the question to? 
Uh, that's right. Doubtfire, Scott, Scott, could you talk about yeah. like the idea of like, hey, just because I don't believe in God doesn't mean cultural relativism is the the only thing on the plate. Oh yeah. So um, it kind of goes back to understanding uh, sticks and carrots, like you were just mentioning that that's um divine command theory. Mm. That you know you you know you're you're appealing to an authority to tell you what's right and wrong, and if you were to take that position then you could say Hitler was right because they use that same argument. Um, I think in some big um, uh, decision way back after world war two um, about that, they're like, look, morals are relative and subjective. And what we did was follow orders. They kind yeah. of appeal to that. Yeah. And that didn't fly hmm. because, you know, they're, you know, and so studying like, um, you know, biology, and studying human evolution and and that we are a product of nature and we are nature by the way we're we're not Absolutely. we're not separate from nature we're part of the world you know and so everything we are kind of derives from it so empathy and what we call um, ethics is kind of derivative from our nature our internal nature and that's why we get this stuff and it's why we feel such a strong leaning towards um, not murdering people, not stealing, you know, we yeah. have, we're social animals, yep. so we have to get together and work together. We share space with each other. So, you know, it just, it just, um, it's naturally in, inborn in us, I think. And then our codes, our moral codes kind of come out of that. Yeah. And then, so I, I think at the end of the day, it seems to me that morality is kind of a, a bit of both nature and nurture, hmm. you know, because of that. And yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Like we are products of evolution. We are naturally a, a social species. We're going to come up with rules that that explain why we need to be social with each other. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, if not, we won't be around anymore. And and the yeah. community that says we can kill anyone whenever we want won't survive the next till the next generation. So like we are very much products of our environment, and we nurture ourselves with rules that we can explicitly tell the next generation coming up. Hopefully, we can improve those rules. Bujo, you're now on the spot. <laughs> he's had some solid time to think about a time when he's been wrong. Yeah. So uh, yeah. The, the, the question you'd ask, the second part was, I ever, have I ever realized I did something wrong? And yeah. is that, that the effect of it? And I, yeah. I, couldn't, I couldn't come up with anything uh, oh, man. super. Oh, no, I couldn't I come up with anything very uh, uh, <laughs> big, <laughs> so to say. But I, but I did. I, I do remember. Get your wife in here. Get, give them yeah. in here. <laughs> I'm sure they, yeah, either I'm one of those will tell. I'm sure. I'm, I'm sure there's something out there. Oh, I'm sure, I'm sure. I remember something kind of that r really sticks in my mind. I think I even sh I may have shared it on this show a time before, but it involved airplanes, and I, I remember airplanes as being one of the last shreds of of fears I had with religion, and that was the the bit about you know reading a book by Richard Dawkins on an airplane with an atheist in the title. Uh, you know, it, it gave me a little little bit of fear to do that it's like oh man here i am kind of you know uh, giving god the middle finger on an airplane and the whole thing could go down and i remember that was like the last thing oh, that, that fell away oh. from me um when i was finally like wait a second <laughs> i can read whatever i want you know so surely someone's reading a bible on this plane so um but the point is is the there was a steward that that came by and told me to shut off my ipad uh and this is ipads are pretty brand new the whole you know, cover when you close the cover, it 
turns off the screen and I like, Oh, okay. And I close the cover cause I didn't want to shut it down yet. <laughs> and uh, he's like, oh, you need to shut it. You need to shut it down. Not just close. It. I remember I was like, I, I did. And then I had my finger on the power button, like, like just now trying to shut it down. And uh, you know, he walked away and whatever. And, and uh, I caught him later and I was like, Hey man, I've been traveling all day. I'm in a bed. You know, I know you, you're, you're busy. You deal with jerks like me all the time. I'm, you know, I apologize. I did that. I was, this thing's new and I'm, you know, still dealing with how to, how to work it. And you told me to shut it down. I should shut it down and, uh, you know, buckle my seatbelt. So I don't know if that close to answers. No, question. no, no, absolutely. That's right. Cause yeah. it, listen, if you could have had the mindset of like, uh, I, I was a jerk, I'm going to go home and pray to God for the thing that I was a jerk to. But it sounded like you actually made an effort to, to, in my opinion, show some character and mm-hmm. like, humble yourself to a person that you wronged and make it right with the person that you had, you made the offense to. And, and that's a beautiful thing. And I think that's, that's something that isn't just a good thing, but it's a necessary thing. And if you have like a God belief where it's like, Hey, my best friend's God, he's the creator of the universe. I'll make it up with him and I'll trickle down. But you're like, no, I'm going to make this right. Right now. I was wrong. Then I'm going to make it right. And I think that's a perfect story. Just the human empathy approach. Absolutely. Uh, Larry, Larry, what do you think? Larry Five. <laughs> um, we got Doubtfire and Doubter Five on yeah. the same mm-hmm. same show. It's it's throwing me off. Yeah. We just have to go first names, but yeah. No, I Larry, guess uh, the only thing I can that comes to mind was not only uh, when I found out that <clears throat> that religion was wrong. I was wrong about religion when I was growing up and stuff. But uh, the entire supernatural package. There's no evidence. Mm. There's just as much no no evidence for uh, ghosts. Uh, or anything else like werewolves or Dracula or anything, uh, as there's n- not evidence for God. So I had to leave all of that package behind, uh, even my own soul, the souls of people that I previously had thought were in heaven, uh, things like that. You know, the, just you had to let go, say goodbye and all that. But you know, it's one of those things that you you live you learn you go on and you put it behind you and then you don't think about it too much more after that point but you know i was wrong can i throw something out um werewolves it seems like and i'm gonna i'm using these terms as nicely as i can you're gonna defend werewolves no but i'm saying (laughs) white people monsters or white people supernatural things tend to be just cool things that chase you Oh, yeah. <laughs> that seems to be the red gamut of like so what's a werewolf yeah. you know it's this awesome guy who has a lot of muscles and he turns into a dog it's like dogs are awesome yeah but he chases you i'm like okay that's cool what's a vampire it's like a guy but it's like batman but it's even cooler because it's like yeah or zombies and he's like oh yeah. zombies what yeah. it's like you die but you come back to life which is awesome because and then they chase you it's like oh okay well, what's funny. something that doesn't do it's like they all do the same thing if they didn't Black- chase you then they wouldn't be scary <laughs> would they <laughs> oh there's a werewolf over there in the yeah. corner cool my mom my mom's from st thomas so we grew up with the haitian level of monsters we had uh witch doctors we had voodoo we had mukujumbis i don't know if you guys know that but like like straight up like hey you walked across my legs that means i'm going to stop growing and i'm only 11 years old you gotta you never heard about that okay all right well uh there are things supernatural things called mukujumbis which is like if you curses like if you step on a mother's crack you'll break your mother's back Mm -hmm, but it's like the haitian version of that and there was like uh, the idea of johnny bread man which is like hey if you eat too much food 
Johnny bread man's going to keep pushing out in your stomach and you will blow up from the inside out. It's not being chased by a cool dude anymore. It's just horrible body horror and torture. And so it makes sure that you're a good kid that you like watch where you're walking. You don't eat too much food and you don't walk over people's legs, but yeah, uh, we could have, we could have, we could have borrowed some from like just the Western culture. Cause sure. I would love to be chased by a cool looking bat person. Anyway, <laughs> that is a you, random aside. You guys do know why vampires are strictly, uh, in your, in, in Europe and, and haven't, haven't taken over any stories down in, in, uh, no, uh fill in us Africa, in. right? Fill me in. Well, the, the, obviously if you, if, if you, if the holy water is dangerous to vampires, uh-huh. well, they bless the rains down in Africa. Ah, uh, <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's known. good enough for me. <laughs> Why don't we take ourselves out on a half hour break? I can't top that, Larry. I have to remember that. <laughs> okay, this is the Digital Free Thought Radio Hour on WZO Radio 103.9 LPFM here in Knoxville, hmm. Tennessee. We'll be right back after this short break. There's a certain church around you know it well. They say a lot of people are going to hell If you show tolerance in hell you are put You got a one-way ticket that Westboro will foot Hell is full of firemen, soldiers and teachers Philanthropists and activists and innocent preachers Celebrities and deities that ask circumcision Because of this I've come to an important decision Hell, hell, I wanna go to hell It seems a really fun place to play But I gotta do what's right and do it every day If I wanna go to hell someday Oh, hell, I wanna go to hell So I gotta do what mom and dad say I gotta love my neighbor even if they are gay So I can go to hell someday Ellen's really nice but she enjoys other ladies Jackman doesn't mind and so he's going to Hades Woody Allen obviously cause he's a Jew also, Princess Di, Mother Teresa, too. Washington and Jefferson, and don't forget Lincoln. I can tell you now that their souls are a-sinking. Johnny Depp because he wears too much eyeliner. Andrew's with a spoon and overweight Rob Reiner. Hell, hell, I wanna go to hell. It seems a really fun place to play. But I gotta do what's right and do it every day. If I wanna go to hell someday. Oh, hell, I wanna go to hell. So I gotta do what mom and dad say. I gotta love my neighbor even if they are gay So I can go to hell someday Elizabeth the first cause saying singles a sin Saint Maria Goretti cause she didn't give in Spider-Man is hellbound because he is fiction Marlon Brando's also there because of his diction Former Bush administrator Rice Kamakandi Tom Hanks, Will Smith, and don't forget Gandhi Hell is for environmentalists out more Even Christ is bound for hell cause he defended a whore Hell, hell, I wanna go to hell Welcome back to the second half of the Digital Free Thought Radio Hour. I'm Daughter 5, and we're on WOZO Radio 103.9 LPFM here in Knoxville, Tennessee. Today's November 1st, 2020. Let's talk about the atheist 
and free-thinking groups that you can join right here in Knoxville. First, there's the Atheist Society of Knoxville. ASK was founded in 2002. We're in our 18th year. ASK has over 1,000 members, and you can find us online at knoxvilleatheist.org, or you can just Google Knoxville Atheist, and it'll take you to us. By the way, if you don't live in Knoxville, you should still go to meetup.com and search for an atheist group in your town. Don't find one. Start, Start one. one. That's right. Another large free-thinking group in Knoxville, the Rationalists of East Tennessee, R-E-T, uh, can be found at rationalist.org. Uh, click on that and then go to their upcoming events to find out what they're up to. Earlier in the show, we said we talked about the Knoxville Atheist Call-In TV show. Um, Wombat, pay attention. <laughs> I'm taking notes. Why you say I don't? I pay very close attention to uh-huh. what were you saying. I'm sorry. I wasn't paying attention. It's uh, Go to YouTube and type in Free Thinkers United Coalition of Knoxville, and you'll find our YouTube streaming version of the Atheist Call-In Show. Uh, however, we do have 10 years of archives of our t- regular TV show that was on the air. Uh, you'd have to search for Free Thinkers. I'm sorry, it's uh, Free Thought Forum, Knoxville. Uh, and you should find a whole bunch of episodes of those. We were actually streaming on public access TV. Uh, also, if you're interested in getting involved with the TV or the radio show, come to an, e- an ASK meetup. RET meeting or talk to us on our Facebook pages and you could be our next co-host or guest. Uh, with us today on the show, we have our usual co-host, which is Wombat. And, and I'm also, proud to be an American. Right. <laughs> and we have Doubtfire Boudreaux. Welcome. Uh, and what are we talking about now? So, so we, were just covering, we were just covering the philosophical principles of Hathaway, the 1990s philosopher. Uh, he made a quote that said, what is love? Oh, baby, don't hurt me. Don't hurt me no more. What is love? Oh, baby, don't hurt me. Don't hurt me no more. Now, this is the most important part. Now, I don't know why you're not fair. I give you my love, but you don't care. What is the sign and what is wrong? Give me a sign. What is love? What is love? Where is love? The love. The love from our listeners. That's right. Combining some 90 sets there. So we got the love mm-hmm. from our listeners. That is trading. We had 21 comments on last week's show. I don't, wow. think we, I don't think we have enough time to go through them all. But I would say who got here first was Dada's Trading Room. Thank you so much for your quality comments, Dada's. You've always been great. And uh, here is his comment on last week's topic, which was, what the heck is scrupulosity? And we're talking about like the compulsion, almost like an OCD level of constantly praying or constantly following the right of a particular religion. And how do we get out of it? And so Dada Trading Room said, yeah, that's, that's a pretty heavy topic. Um, I don't know what to say, but I guess I was a victim of this too. I used to worry about all those clothes that I was close to and kept asking some God to watch for them. I didn't even believe in the God of the Bible, yet I still prayed. Realizing that I'm an atheist actually really helped me get out of this. Shoutouts to AXP, Matt Dillahunty, and guys like you who helped me in this realization. Thank you. And I said thank you very much, Thadis. That's a very good comment. Thank you, guys. Yeah, but I really thought it was awesome where he said, hey, I didn't even believe in the God in the Bible yet, and I was still praying almost compulsively. And it's like you have this, you have this part of your, I would say, spirit or like you, the, I, this, this need to have a spiritual fulfillment in your body. And God fills that hole perfectly. 
it's just this ambiguous little glue that <laughs> fills in all the gaps. But when you don't have that anymore, you have something called, I like to call a God hole. And people will fill that in with anything when they don't have it, like skydiving, <laughs> psychedelic music, <laughs> flipping homes, whatever, 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 uh, whatever meditation. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever works. Right. And mm. I think in mine, in my God hole is probably just video games, uh, really bad food, good conversation, but there's definitely a God hole there. And it used to still be praying. Like I took out the God hole and I still had, I need to pray or I need to have. Like, That's a habit. It takes, a, takes a while to break habits. Absolutely. And yeah. fears. And it's scary to have that silence for a while, just being like, hey, I'm having a hard time finding my keys or I'm having a bad time. I don't know if my mom's going to be healthy or I'm about to get um, in a car accident. Don't pray myself out of the situation. Just be aware of where the dangers are. Find my keys, rationalize myself so I can move forward. It takes a long time to get that figured out. Bujo, what do you think? You're nodding your head. Have you? Yeah, I think we talked about the car. I'm in in highway safety. So I I, I think about that a lot. But I've been in situations where I'm driving and it's raining really heavily and I start thinking about the crash statistics in my head and, you know, mm. and, and, and you can go to fear pretty fast. But then I, what I often do is I go, you know, I'm I'm sober. I'm awake. Um, I'm paying attention. I'm not distracted. And I start going through like, what are the things that cause crashes? You know, usually human error, it's usually, you know, excessive speeds or something like that. So I, you know grab the steering wheel a little tighter. I pay attention, double check. You know what I mean? Uh, so, so yeah, I go, I go to rational. I go immediately to rational instead of, uh, you know, looking, looking up upwards and maybe even making things worse. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been pulled over a lot of times in Kentucky. <laughs> I would say uh, I was only there for about a year and a couple of months and I got pulled over about, there was a period where I got pulled over roughly eight times in one calendar year, 11 times total in Kentucky, never got a single ticket, never got a single ticket. So black Mm. lives matter is one thing, but I would also say when I did get pulled over, I was considering like, okay, what are the odds here? I don't drink. I know I I would know I was following the speed limit. Maybe I was a mile over or maybe a mile under. Maybe I was driving too slow. I have fog lights on. I got a reflective tape thing on my back of my car. Like I care about safety. I speak well. I'm wearing my glasses. I'm going to work. I'm in a good situation where if I get asked, if driver uh, cop comes over and starts asking me questions, no drugs in the car. Exactly. (laughs) I have my license registrations here. I'll Uh ask for permission before I move. I know I followed YouTube videos for like, Hey, if you're a black guy and you get pulled over and you're in the South, this is what you should do. I was like, I know these rules. I I can follow these. I can get out of this situation. Okay. And you know, it's terrifying each time still. But I am glad that, you know, um, I was able to not go in the panic mode where it's like, oh, God, oh, Lordy, Lordy. <laughs> oh, my God. It's like, no, no, no. What works? What doesn't work? Let's just work, rationalize our way out of it. And I know SC very well. So, like, I can just make sure that I, I don't escalate the situation and not give anything that this guy could use to make my day mm-hmm. a lot longer. Um, doubt or doubt fire. I'm going to throw this out at you. Um, so what we were talking about today is like the compulsion to still feel like you have to do something religious, even when you're not religious. And so mm-hmm. Dada Straightman was talking about praying, even though he realized he did, he doesn't believe in a God anymore. Mm-hmm. Did you have any sort of residual feeling like you had to do something? Even so, when you knew it was God? yeah, this is, this is something I thought about um, that, that I practice all the time. Hmm. This is kind of weird. 
um, so I was suffering from heavy anxiety a few years ago, like mm. really bad anxiety. And, um, I wasn't able to calm myself down or do anything for it. Like I would, I think one time I almost fainted at work and they made me leave my job and it was really bad, you know, and I, and I was really in a bad spot. And uh, so anyways, I was one day I was, um, listening to the Joe Rogan show. Okay. Richard Dawkins on, he was interviewing uh, Richard Dawkins. And, uh, I think Joe Rogan had asked him a question. Do you think people who pray, like, where does that come from? Why do people pray to gods that they don't know exist? And, you know, this and that, what, what's your evolutionary explanation for that? And Richard Dawkins said, started bringing up the uh, placebo effect and the uh, nocebo effect. Mm, so he nocebo says, effect. I yeah, like he goes, this. What is, yeah, he goes, so what is nocebo? And so Richard Dawkins says, sometimes even if you don't believe that a sugar pill works, like you can purposely take a sugar pill with the intention that it's going to heal you. And you can already know it's a sugar pill. And it'll still take away your anxiety or your pain or whatever like that. Wow. And he says, this is called the nocebo. It's, it doesn't matter. It, you can believe it's going to work or not believe it's going to work. And it'll still work if you just go into it with an intention. And wow. I thought, wow, that's kind of weird. So I went and looked it up. And sure enough, it's really a thing. It's called the nocebo effect. So, and Richard Dawkins said, you know, so this is the power of prayer that people talk about. And he says, I would venture to say that even if you didn't believe in God and you prayed to God, it may have some value, some utility for you as far as anxiety and stuff like that. So I took it serious after I did the research. I took it serious because I was in a bad place and I didn't want to go into taking pills or anything sure. like that. I wanted sure. to try something. So I started praying um, to my own concept of God, which is more like a, maybe a pantheistic type of thing. Ooh, I think yeah. yeah. And man, I, I guarantee you, I promise you it worked like overnight. My anxiety has been gone ever since. Wow. So, yeah. And I, and I find myself now, I don't necessarily pray for things, but just to say to the world, wow, I'm glad to be here. I'm glad to be participating. I'm glad. I love my experience. Form of meditation. Yeah, meditation. Yeah. And, and um, I was w uh, working with a guy who was a Zen Buddhist, and he was talking to me about this and kind of trying to help me through this process too. And I was telling him, but you know, I'm an atheist. And he was like, well, look, I'm an atheist too. I don't believe in God. I don't believe in the supernatural, but I'm a Buddhist. I have a spiritual belief, but when I say spiritual, I don't mean it like the Western people say it. <laughs> I mean, it, it's, it's, yeah, I don't believe in crystals and all that. I mean, I have a conscious um, attitude towards life that makes things better, and I don't get attached to beliefs, and I don't get attached to all this stuff. I love that. Yeah. That's the stuff I can dial into, because mm -hmm. uh, I, I used, before COVID hit, I used to do yoga with a bunch of friends once a week, every week. And the teacher was really great at making sure that there were three different levels you could always work at. And I remember when I finally moved from level one to level two, and I could do like the second form of like all the crazy stuff she was doing. Mm -hmm. And there was a point where it's like, I don't feel my body anymore. Like when I'm at level one, it's like, this is so uncomfortable. I can't wait until the timer goes off. And number two, it's like, what timer? 
yeah, <laughs> like yeah. what room like i'm just breathing and it's like class is over already why does this feel why does my head just feel so just, you're in the flow moment yeah, yeah. There, there's a there's a uh, scientific or psychological term called um being in the flow and like yeah. i'm a musician so mm. like when i write music or i'm putting putting together a, a track or something like that time disappears all yes. my concerns fly away it's like a form of meditation it's and it's just all the stress is gone there's no me anymore there's no point yep. of me stressing anymore uh, and I do feel like, yeah, I know I went into there realizing, hey, I'm an atheist. I don't believe in, you know, like woo and all that stuff. But there was mm -hmm. just a, an opportunity to let go of myself mm -hmm. doing something. And I appreciated that. So mm -hmm. prayer, sugar pills, nocebos, I think they have validity to them. Mm -hmm. Larry, what do you think? Oh, I'd like to look into this nocebo thing. I had never yeah. heard of it before, but I can see where it would would have some effect. Uh, placebo, I would think, would have more effect, but uh, I'll have to check it out and see what, what it's like. Yeah, yeah. And if anything, it just shows that you had the power to do it, whether now that you know. It's like putting that. your mind to something. Yeah, um, just dedicating you know, yourself. At a, at setting an attitude. Mm -hmm. uh, Eric, I got a next question for you. Here's something that I thought I was wrong about <laughs> that I realized uh, or here's something that I thought was true that I realized was not true. And as it, it was as I was coming into atheist community in general, and just as a backstory, when I moved to Kentucky, you reached out to me. It was like, hey, I saw some of your SE vids and I think it's cool. I actually have a group of S uh, atheist buddies. If you'd like to hang out with us, let's do it. And I was like, oh, my gosh, it's so cool because I was looking for a community to to hang out with in Kentucky that had similar beliefs. And I was like nice i can't wait to check you guys out and in the back of my mind i didn't really realize it yet because i spent some time with larry and his atheist group and i knew you know i can hang out with any atheist at that table we could have a conversation but in my head i never really saw atheism as like a full multiple state sort of a situation my idea was like atheisms atheists always agree on everything <laughs> right <No. laughs> and it wasn't until i went to the summit for the first time where it's like we have this thing where we have a bunch of atheists in a room. It's this room that Eric's in right now, and it's just a round table, and we have a topic brought up, and we just talk about it, and, it's a lot, and we encourage disagreement, and we encourage rational talking about why we disagree and the name why we disagree. And I'm like, whoa, this is cool. And I'm just sitting in the, like a fly on the wall realizing like all these people I've had food with, all these people that I know their names for, they're coming at every topic from completely different angles, and I'm realizing, whoa, whoa atheists disagree on like basically everything like even things that i thought we had like a super level superficial sort of agreement on there's a there's a christian in the room who's making more sense than you guys. <laughs> what's going on here and i probably don't agree with him on anything other than that i mean he has an iphone i don't even want an iphone what's going on here uh eric the idea of like atheists don't agree on anything or really on everything except for just the god belief you want to touch on that anything you want to say yeah I th well i think it's it's unique to atheism i think in some respects because we're not we're not grouping together for what uh banding together because of a belief we all agree on we're grouping together because of something we don't believe in right so it's right it's like the, the void the absence and uh you know i think christians can kind of band together and they all kind of agree on I'm sure there's plenty of disagreement going around in in their circles too but at least they can all fall back to, well, you know, we've got this book and we, we agree on all these things. Exactly. We have, we have a lot less we can fall back on. We're, we're kind of like, oh, you know, we all 
don't believe in this. Um, I, I think skepticism helps. We all, I, I would say that, you know, there are probably some statistical comparisons where, you know, majority of atheists are this political leaning or, yeah. or you know, yeah. I imagine most atheists are science minded, but it, it's not, not true. Uh, there are plenty of anti-vaccine atheists yeah trump supporting atheists uh just atheists don't vaccinate their kids even and you're just like what you won't vaccinate your kids yeah (laughs) right (laughs) so yeah you you get you get a mix Uh, it's and i will say whenever i find out someone is an atheist i'm all i'm almost like relieved like oh we're gonna connect a lot of things i just i just assume that yeah usually absolutely it's and it is usually true it is but it's always weird when it's like Come on, what else? What barriers getting you to just thinking like me completely? Why can't you just think like me completely? Because we right. only agree on one thing, right? And it just means there's one less thing getting in the way of us connecting with each other. But we're still two different people. Um, that far, you want to touch on that? Yeah, there, there's uh, uh, atheists who are liber- like in the political spectrum. Mm. They could be um, progressive liberal types or libertarian types or not many conservatives because mo- mainly they kind of believe in Jesus and all this stuff. But, um, yeah, I've met there, a though. lot of – yeah, they're, they're out there, definitely. But I've, I've met a lot of libertarian uh, conservative types that are atheists because they don't, they don't believe in uh, church and state, you know, being together – and so a lot of them are atheistic. And then, of course, liberal progressives are, too. So on that front, and that's a really big part of human nature is the political, mm. something else that divides us. But, yeah, other things I would think are more superficial, maybe like what kind of movies you like or something like that. I don't know. But, yeah, I've met atheists that are that don't agree with maybe my political philosophy or whatever. Sure. So. But, you know, I, 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 I don't even like letting that divide people up. I, I, I get along. I try to get along with everybody. You can. Like, part, of, part of my philosophy is to not get so attached to beliefs. Kind of like my Zen Buddhist friend used to tell me. It really made an impact on me. He said because it is a form of strife in your life and it's a form of um, suffering, as they call it, in, in his tradition, where if you always – if you're always attached to tribalism beliefs or religious beliefs or supernatural or whatever the big, the big ones are for people, um, those can be a source of discomfort and cognitive dissonance and just division among people in society. And it's not a good thing, you know? Yeah. I think anytime you identify with a label, you should be wary that the more strict that definition becomes or the more adherent you become to that identity, the more likely you are to discriminate or push out or push yourself into a, an elitist corner where mm-hmm. you're going to, you're going to force people in your own community to come up with their own separate labels and, and just start this vicious, vicious fractal circle of people coming up with new words to call themselves. But if you just took a step back and realize, Hey, on top of the, behind these labels on labels on labels and labels, we're just people. Everyone yeah. here is an individual we can make connections if we're willing to work for it. It just requires some respect and some really good con, uh, candor between all of us. And it's in humility, possible. humility. Like yes. I wanted to add that too, is that what attracted me to SE in the first place mm. um, yeah. was the fact that um, 
you know, it questions your beliefs. Like, you know, you, you there, it's a method for questioning what you think you know for certain. And what I've learned in my life just by practicing SE on myself or having people, you know, um, ask me questions about things is I don't really know a whole lot for certain at all. Like the only thing I really mm. know is that I exist and that I'm experiencing this life. Um, everything else is kind of an inference to the best, you know, what I think is the best um, um, explanation for things, but I don't really sure. know them. And with that kind of um, uh, protection there, it keeps me from being arrogant and overbearing with people because I can recognize in myself that I don't know. I don't have all the answers. I'm an atheist, but I'm not always right. You know? Right. And it's so it's actually a freeing thing to say, you don't know. And I realized yep. when I was an atheist for the first time, I was like, I don't know. It's actually a good thing to say. So like when someone puts you on the phone, it's like, what do you think about that? Why is it? It's like, I don't know. It's like, Oh, you didn't give me any ammunition for me to follow up. It's like, yeah, but I also don't know. And I would be interested in figuring <laughs> right. it out. I just need a good method to get us there. Absolute Larry is overrated. I'm going to feel. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh powerful powerful how sure are you about that <laughs> I'm absolutely, absolutely certain um, <laughs> oh he's absolutely certain absolute certainty is overrated i i love it i love it um the idea that okay so i want to take a quick step back i want to give you the opportunity to to, to respond to what we were talking about um i think what i'm trying to like summarize it and, let, and feel free to step in larry anytime but like the idea of religion being I'm sorry, religion being more of a unifying factor versus atheism just being more of a point of agreement and and bifurcations upon bifurcations happen. Well, sure. Do you, you've um, been leader of atheist communities. Right. Have you seen that? I've been leader what? Of atheist communities left and right all over the place. Oh. Have you seen that like oh, yeah, corralling yeah. atheists is sort of well, like herding yeah, cats? When, when I uh, sit in uh, these atheist booths or ask an atheist and people, I tell people about the the atheist society of Knoxville and that we have dinners and stuff. And they say, well, what do you guys talk about? I mean, they're, they're trying to get some kind of insight <laughs> into what atheists would discuss when they get together. Like, do we oh, discuss man. overthrowing the, the government thing. or whatever? And I tell them, you know, football, <laughs> Netflix, uh, you know, just any kind of thing, conversation topic, because there's one thing that we all agree on that the gods don't exist. So why talk about that? Right. Now, we do talk about religions a lot exactly. because uh, a lot of atheists come from different religions. And one thing I like, one point I'd like to make is that um, I'd say 90 to 95 percent of the people in the Atheist Society of Knoxville are post-religious. These are people who have gone yeah. gone through religion and come out the other side, got the T-shirt, been there, done that, over. Mm -hmm. uh, we're not a good group to proselytize to, but mm -hmm. people seem to always want to proselytize to us because we don't have a religion. So we like up for we might grabs, be the best group to proselytize to because we have the we have the best shutdowns. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but like you were saying our, earlier. Knocking our door at your own risk. Yeah. yeah. Like we were talking gonna, about earlier that uh, yeah. your Buddhist friend was an atheist. Well, also Confucius are atheists. Taoists are mm -hmm. and Shintoists and, and Jainists are, 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 are atheists. There mm -hmm. are philosophical religions out there that, you know, they, they have their own religion per se, but it's really philosophical. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's what it is. I was going to start my own religious organization called Jehovah's Atheists, 
and we were going to go door to door and talk about nothing. <laughs> You're Have a, you heard of a social uh, Jehovah's Witness? Yeah. <laughs> hey guys, that's the end of the show. I'll throw out this. Um, please feel free to leave a comment. Uh, if you share some love, we'll go over on next week's show. This is Let's Chat on YouTube. If you're watching it on my channel, um, Eric, we're we're gonna play your bad religion stuff on this break if we got time, and if not, we're definitely doing it. We're, I will make time to make sure that we can get to that. Nice. Uh, but ch- this guy is uh, a musician extraordinaire. You play the drums exceptionally well. You play the bass exceptionally well. You you're all over guitar. You can sing. This guy this guy can do it. This guy can do it. So I highly recommend check out his stuff. Um, Doubtfire, is there anything that you would recommend that we check out? Uh, um. Yeah, check out the uh, nocebo stuff if you're nice. interested in That's cool. Absolutely. That's cool. That'll stuff. be the first thing on my list. Yeah, mm-hmm. Larry, it's all you. Well, um, well, this has been the Digital Free Thought Radio Hour and WOZO Radio. Uh, be sure to visit the digitalfreethought.com blog site for radio shows, atheist songs, and many articles on the subject of atheism. My book is called Atheism: What's It All About? It's available on Amazon. Uh, thank you, Wombat. And if you're having trouble with leaving religious beliefs behind, and a lot of people do experience uh, pain, trouble, separation, anxiety, uh, look up recoveringfromreligion.org and go there. They have help for you. If you have questions for the show, you can send them to askanatheist at uh, knoxvilleatheist.org, and we'll try to answer them on future shows. If you're watching this on YouTube, be sure to like and subscribe to be notified when new episodes are posted. Remember, everybody is going to somebody else's hell. The time to worry about it is when they prove that heavens and hells and souls are real. Until then, don't sweat it, enjoy your life, and don't fear the wombat. (laughs) 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 Say goodbye, everybody. All right. (laughs) Goodbye, everybody. Bye-bye. Free Thought Radio Hour. Simply